Liars. Hi. It's your girl, Malika. And it's me, Sharina. And we're Bag of Lies. We are. We're the podcast that explores identity and community through the lens of the harmless white lies that we tell. Boom, boom, boom. Keyword, harmless. Oh my God, yes. Um, Yeah, no, for real though. <laughs> Only the harmless lies, no nefarious lies, no family in the closet lies, no family under the radiator lies, just straight. <laughs> Not Straight the radiator, Sharina. Not the radiator. Yeah. Now that it's getting a little bit cold, you might have a family under there. We don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is just a gentle reminder that your girls are going to be doing a panel on October 27th. Um, the details are going to be on our Instagram, so y'all check it out. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to be talking about side hustles and lies and lies to do with side hustles. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, tune in. Yee, buddy. Um, and today we are going to be talking about race and lies. Whoa, yeah, we just took it there. Dum, dum, dum. Shit just got we real. Did just- Things just get real. This episode is called Do All Lies Matter? We've been kind of wanting to talk about this for a while. In the wake of everything that's happened this summer with the death of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, I think America has definitely kind of like opened its eyes a little bit. And so we're going to talk about that. We actually recorded this a few months ago in the aftermath of those deaths. So if some of these things sound a little bit old, that's because of that. And while we recorded this conversation months ago, it's even more relevant than ever, especially, you know, with things coming up. So yeah, and we talked about it with a very smart, beautiful woman. Crystal, shout out to you, girl. So, Sharina, do all lies matter? Hell yeah. Let's get into it. All right. So, Sharina, do all lies matter? Hell yeah. Let's get into it. All right. Crystal Thomas literally needs no introduction, but we wrote one, so I will read it out. Crystal Thomas is your quintessential phenomenal woman. She is a Portland-based, no-cal native who manages advertising for some of America's biggest brands at White & Kennedy. She is also a proud dog mama to Butters Worthington Scotch. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Crystal. Oh my God, we're so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here, guys. We are going to have a quick chat about some lies that white people have been telling themselves. We found an article that uh, was written by a person of color that was basically like, please stop checking in to see if I'm okay. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) That's so real. (laughs) I know. I know, I know, I know. And I think like part of the reason why that kind of spoke to both me and Malika was because like, I think there's this weird lie that's kind of been that white people have been telling themselves in the last few weeks about how like texting the black people in their lives to check that they're okay shows like empathy and like Mm -hmm. wokeness. And like, it doesn't actually think about like, who's going to be on the receiving end. And also like how many text messages we are actually on the receiving end of a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. 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 It's weird when you get a text message from someone you haven't spoken to in two years, but they're like, Hey, just thinking of you and want to let you know that I'm here in solidarity with you. It's like random. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> it's beyond random. And, and it's not even just the text messages. It's the Instagram DMs. Like somebody mm-hmm. hit me up on LinkedIn. Ooh. To- check in and I'm like first of all 
if we're not even friends on Instagram and you don't have my phone number, do not hit me up on this professional networking site to check in on how I'm doing amidst of all of this racial injustice. Like you have not thought about me in decades. Maybe not decades, that's a lie. (laughs) Maybe I didn't know them a decade ago, but you haven't thought about me in forever. And maybe you saw me post an article on LinkedIn and it sparked you to reach out to me because you knew me at some point in your life. Like, I think the biggest lie is that white people think that we are counting all of our white friends and keeping tabs of who's reached out to us and who hasn't. Yeah. And I think as a way to absolve themselves from maybe being called out or uh, being viewed in a negative way, like they're trying to sort of like make up for something, make up for the fact that uh, they haven't done anything by reaching out to all their black friends so that they can check that box. Of yeah, like, I did it. That's true. And but friends is very, very loose. Also, I feel like the people who reached out to me that were like the furthest in like, in terms of like closeness with me, those were the ones that I was like, do you literally not know anyone else? I went on a few dates with a guy like a few years ago. We haven't really talked since. And he reached out with the whole like, oh my gosh, how are you doing? I'm like, between now and like three years ago, did you not meet any other black people? Seriously. Am I like the last one that you know? <laughs> or the I mean, I go back and forth on this because I feel like a lot of this comes from a place of good intentions. So I'm not like mad at all my friends who did it because you know some of my friends genuinely like I I hang out with them we have like a a, a strong relationship so I'm not mad at like my close friends who did it but if you or Corey who I met like four years ago when we went on one date like you said Sharina like (laughs) Corey don't don't hit me up fam like I don't know you like that like you shouldn't be checking in on me I don't check in on your mom like right Right. well and that's totally the thing though because like I don't like I agree with you like my friends the people I talk to the people I work with Like anybody that I'm currently working with, we're in the same organization. We're in the same boat. Fair enough. Anybody who like I am scrolling up and I'm seeing 2017 in our text conversation or the last time that I talked to you on Instagram, if I've ever talked to you on Instagram, I don't need you to I don't need you to check in on me. I'm actually fine. What about the text messages that you get that at the end it says, don't feel like you need to respond. I just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. Then I'm like, is that a lie? Do you, <laughs> you do want me to respond? Do you want the acknowledgement? But then you know that it's, you know, you know that there's a lot of people who don't want to respond. So then you feel the need to say that. You want me to respond. You want the acknowledgement. <laughs> you, you, want, you want to be able to have a conversation. So then you can go back and say, well, no, I did check in on my Black friends. And that instagram post wasn't for me because i did it like it's so frustrating but like like you said malika i get why i get why it's happening and i do think that it's with good intentions but it's it just comes across sort of disingenuous especially if it's somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time yeah and then also if they're copying and pasting that text message and sending to other people (laughs) i got several text messages being like don't feel the need to respond like girl i know you got that from a script from someone else don't worry about it though i see you and i see your intentions and i'm not gonna i'm not mad at it but i am like this is a lot it's a lot it's like I'm in the middle of watching something on TV and then I look down and I see this heavy text and I'm like man I wasn't in this mindset to deal with this conversation right now like this is a lot yeah I'm in 
Portland and here at the agency, there is um, an email that went out from one of our coworkers. He's a black guy and he basically put everyone on blast. The title of the email was your silence is deafening. And he essentially said, you know, it's interesting how we've gone a week almost after the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. But the fact that no one in the agency had said anything, everyone just kind of kept on as business as usual. And, you know, the Black people in the agency and around the world are hurting. And we're having to go to work and pretend like we're not hurting and continue on our day like everything is fine and laugh and joke and hee-haw about whatever we're, di- we're talking about and then having to like cover and mask the pain that's on the inside. So he put this email out and it was deep and raw and nobody responded for like five minutes because I think everyone, especially who was not black, were probably shook. And then all of the flood of emails came in. Um, and then, and then after that, then that's when I started getting more and more people text messaging me and emailing me on the side. And it was like, you know, the, the email of your, of white silence doesn't necessarily mean check in on any black friend that, you know, but really it means speak out, like speak to your white friends, post something on Instagram other than a selfie of you and your dog, like say something, be an advocate. If you say that you're my friend, say something about it. That's to me like more powerful than you reaching out to me saying, Hey, I'm just thinking about you because that's great. You're thinking about me, but how are you getting that message out to the people in your own social circles that are probably not black or a person of color? Like that's more important. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, you know, turning your actions that way, does feel more impactful. But I also wonder about like the spaces that we occupy. Like I know for some of my white friends, I'm their only black friend, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of weird. And so like they reach out to me to be like, you know, I, am I doing something? Am I connecting with someone? But like you said, Crystal, I would rather they talk to their white friends. They ain't exactly. got to talk to me because they know I already know what's going on. They already know I got feelings about, you know, what's happening, but what are you doing to educate, you know, the people in your circle outside of your one black friend to really make impact? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I feel like the other thing that all of these like text messages made me feel is like I need to do a lot of emotional labor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, kind of pressure to f- to either be like, I'm okay, which is a lie, or I'm not okay. And then I'm like doing all this work to like put into words what I'm feeling and it's like for the benefit of someone else as opposed to my own, you know? That's so real. Yeah. So that that was definitely something that I felt a lot with the like, are you okay texts. Um, I think also- Especially because you were, you were in Minneapolis. I mean, you're still in Minneapolis, but the yeah. fact that like you were where a lot of like a lot of this started, I feel like you were in a, a different place where a lot of people wanted to reach out just in general because so much was going on around you. Yeah, everything was happening very close to me. And I think like one thing that talking about this kind of reminds me of is like another lie that I think white people kind of tell themselves is like, like when these things happen, only the people on television or only the black people that they follow on social media are like affected by these things as opposed to like literally every black person that they know. It's a matter of, is this an isolated incident of a couple bad apples or is this a systemic issue? And I think the systemic issue part of it 
is hard for white people to wrap their heads around. Yeah. It's much easier to look at one incident and say, and look and say, that's, that was wrong. That's bad. I agree with you. Or to look mm-hmm. at another incident and say, that was wrong. I agree with you. But it's so much bigger than that. And that issue of like, hey, the police system, the justice system, we can look at the education system, like every housing, every system that America has been built upon has been built through injustice and racism and leaving people out. And white people haven't experienced that. And so it's hard for them to wrap their minds around, you know, a system that's benefited them in some way, shape or form could be corrupt at its core. And, and that's, I think that's why there's such slow progress to be made is because there's sort of this, like, it is a lie. It's a veil. It's, um, it's a way to sort of protect themselves from being hurt or called out or, you know, the, the white fragility is real and white people don't like to step into discomfort like that because they've never had to. So like, to me, that I, that's what really needs to be addressed is like, we don't even, we don't even really talk about the effects of slavery and Jim Crow and mass incarceration and all of those things. Like, it's so brushed over just, it, just in general in America, that when things happen like this, of course, of course, white people are, are going to tell themselves the lies that they've been telling themselves since the beginning of this country. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like totally agree with to you. your point, like I think that because it is so pervasive and all of it is systemic, every black person is touched by it and I think that like that is definitely something that like shocks a lot of people. Like I've told people some of my workplace experiences in other places that I've worked in, like I've worked with colleagues that have like said the N word in front of me. I've worked with colleagues that have like called me a monkey, like the, and like, it's always like so shocking when people, when I say that to people and it's like, well, yeah, like it's, and not that that is normal, but like, it's not that surprising that I, as a young black woman have felt the effects of racism in my personal life because it affects all of us. Well, that brings me to the, like the, the good black people versus the bad black people. And I think that Mm. there's this notion of like, well, if you're educated, if you know, you have a good job, which we, we all are and do, Mm -hmm. if you have means, if you come from a decent family, then you're somehow like protect, like you don't experience this. You, you must not because you're a good black person versus like if let's say we we didn't have those things then it's almost like the racism can be justified and the yeah. stories can be justified in some way and so then it's like yeah when i tell stories of what i've experienced i get like shocked faces mm-hmm. and and i think and this is just my hypothesis but i think that it's because in their minds i am a quote unquote good black person who, you know, wouldn't be in situations to experience injustice, which is just not true. Yeah, it's not true. It's it doesn't matter what job you have or how much money you have in the bank, you know, racism affects you at just when you're a person of color, like it affects right. us all. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's absolutely true. And I think like one thing that this kind of brings up for me is or has brought up for me in the last few weeks is how people are so reluctant to believe that there is racism happening in their own workplaces. Yeah. 
like every time that I've had conversations like this, people are always just like, well, that wasn't here. Right. And I'm like, I mean, like the things that I mentioned, no, they weren't, but I've experienced other things. Yeah. (laughs) I once, I mean, I I can speak to a, a, something that happened to me once. So I remember like in a meeting once uh, uh, another young lady touched my hair and you know, it's one of those like microaggressions that we always talk about and, you know, people are like never like aware of it. And I got an email from someone afterwards and they're like, yo, I, she's like, I've always heard you don't touch, you know, a black woman's hair, but I didn't think it was a thing until I saw someone do it to you. And I'm so sorry that person did that to you. And now I know that this is really a thing that needs to change. And I was like, shout out to you one for hitting me up saying that, but two, he didn't think it was like a thing that that happened. You know, you hear about it, but he until he saw it with his own eyes in his own workspace, he was like, what? People really be out here touching black women's hair for no reason, <laughs> objectifying them. This is wild. And it's like, yeah, it happens. Well, but I wonder, I mean, that kind of circles back to what we talked about in the beginning. Like he reached out to you mm-hmm. in like, you know, solidarity and, and to let yeah. you know that he supports you. But did he then go and talk to that person who touched your hair see i don't know i don't know if the loop is complete i don't know but he wanted me to know that he saw it and he felt it <laughs> it's time to complete the loop white people you gotta that loop. close the loop <laughs> if you don't talk to me talk to your homeboy too like <laughs> oh my god um okay so like I want to pose a question to this group about whether or not you guys think that this is a lie that white people tell themselves Uh, because I've heard it a lot in the last few weeks and I I feel some type of way about it a lot of white people have told me and I'm sure all of you I can never imagine being in your situation and I personally think that that is a lie they tell themselves because they don't want to deal with how like absolutely terrifying it would be to try and imagine themselves in my situation. But I don't think that it's impossible. Mm, okay, here's, I think what you're thinking about is like probably like an issue of semantics. Okay. I mean, if someone says to me, it isn't possible for them to, you know, feel what it's like to be in my situation. I'm like, I agree because you are not in my situation, but I do expect you to empathize Mm. with my situation. I do expect you to look at the situation and have some sort of connection to it emotionally of like what I would be feeling. But I don't think that they could actually truly feel the feeling that I'm feeling in whatever situation that I am that, you know, is racist. I'm going to take a contrary opinion. We've got movies that is about fantastical situations, books, fiction, novels, music. There's so many mediums in which the whole goal of that medium is imagination. And you sit in a movie theater and you get wrapped into someone else's story. And you can then be like, if I was a superhero, my power would be this. And wouldn't that be cool to fly through the air? Like you can put yourself in almost any made up situation because you have the desire to, or it's cool or it's interesting or whatever. But to not be able to ima- to even imagine like uh, what it could be like for a situation that is very real, that there are a lot of books, movies, and personal accounts of it. I-, I think that that's like a willful like rejection of wanting to put yourself in that situation. Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree with you. And I think... I think where I disagree is just like, it's it's not like a willful thing. I think for me, it's just like showing that 
I'm not you, so I can't say that I know exactly what it feels like to be you. I can't imagine to that level, but I can relate on some level. I can empathize with what you're feeling to some level. And this is, you know, how I feel about that. Because I think you kind of have to reserve a part of the experience for yourself. You know what I mean? Not everyone can say that they know what the experience is like unless they have really been a part of that experience. They've really felt that. And so I, yeah, it's just like, I, I think... Using the word, I can't imagine. Yeah, that's a poor choice of words. Like you can imagine it. You can relate to this. You can empathize, you know, this. But I don't think that they can feel what we feel, oh, if that makes sense. Not. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. They definitely can't feel what we feel. But I, I do, you you are right, I think, Malika. It, from a semantics point of view, it does kind of read as like, well, I probably could imagine it, but I'm just not going to. <laughs> i just i it sounds really hard you know like the whole people dying thing i don't want to think about that so i just won't i i I think you're right there should be the ability to like on a human to human level be able to empathize and a willingness to empathize yeah to crystal's point yes 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 crystal this has been super fun i am like way happy that we got you on the show thank you okay guys that's it for us Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at Bag of Lies underscore podcast. Bag of Lies is produced by the spicy Rachel Diaz with additional creative oversight from Bob Cohen. El Babarango. <laughs> this episode was made in partnership with Goodby Silverstein and Partners for the 720 Podcast. All opinions and foolish comments expressed here are by no means a reflection of our employers, friends, family, or our upbringing. We do our best.